Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the Roman's Empire podcast, where all we do is talk Chelsea and Tammy Abraham, and are going to talk shit about everyone else. My name is Zach, and uh, I'm joined, as always, by my two trusty co-hosts, uh, who are both in a very good mood, thanks to uh, thanks to a certain uh, hat trick performance by a very certain individual that I have been hyping up since uh, the beginning of the season. So, uh, Andres, how are you doing, man? But before we continue, we have to go back to your superlative, Zach. You are now the engaged one. Mm. Yeah, who cares about what Tammy I Abraham am. did? Come on. I yeah, am. there was some big moves going on this week. And, and, and before we let you take over, I have to give you props for one thing, man. You are the world's biggest football fan to plan out your engagement on the international break. <laughs> hey, well done. Dedication. Not that even is about that. strategic. Nothing. That yeah, is right. so detailed. Wow. Tactician. Exactly. It didn't even occur to me, but I appreciate the love, guys. And and you know what? I mean, just to, like, caveat off of that, it was an international break, but what I also didn't realize is that it was also planned the same time as an LAFC, as an LAFC game, right? But, like, we already clinched playoffs, so that's kind of why I, you know, did that. But, but anyways. if you guys didn't clinch, you would have uh, postponed the, pr- the proposal? No, we would have <laughs> clinched anyways because the rest of the MLS fucking sucks, oh, right, yeah, Andres? Got it. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but anyway, Sam, how you doing, man? I'm great, man. I mean, is it possible to be in a bad mood after a 5-2 win like that and finding out that you got engaged? That's it's what a wonderful break it's been. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's been it's definitely been an incredible week. And I know I know my fiance is probably listening to this podcast, so if she's listening, she's probably really Sub-tushy. happy right now. How you doing? Um, but uh, yeah. Anyways, um. Crazy fucking weekend in soccer, right? Oh, oh yeah. I mean, well... Across the board. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you guys want to say something about the other games, but we can get into the Chelsea-Wolves uh, game if you guys want to get into that. Yeah, I'd, I'd much rather get yeah, into that, Yeah, let's talk actually. about Chelsea. It's more important. <laughs> so, uh, let me go through the starting 11 real quick. So, obviously, Kepa in goal. Uh, back line of Rudy, Christensen, and Tomori. And then a midfield... So, we played a 3-4-3. And then we, so we had a four midfields of uh, Alonzo, Dave, Jorginho, and Kovacic. Wait, did I read that right? Yeah. And then yeah. front three of William <laughs> Mount and Tammy Abraham. Yeah, I didn't. Tammy Abraham was on the next line, so I didn't see that he was there. No, don't worry, <laughs> man. I had the exact same reaction when I read the starting eleven. Well, that's what everyone was saying about him too before he scored his first goal. <laughs> oh, you look, everyone looked over him, Tammy Abraham, until that for sure. Nice. So obviously. We want to get into Tammy Abraham, but we want to. We need to get through the negatives for before we get to the positives. That's what we want to do. But actually, before we get into that, I did mention the three four three, and we got a question from Nick Lenartson, uh, Rep Ultra, as always representing. He asks, "What formation do you prefer us to play?" So now, as I mentioned this weekend, we saw Lampard, Lampard deploy the three four three, Andreas. This isn't the same three four three that we saw during the Conte era, right? Uh, no, it was totally different uh, for I think many reasons. So starting from the back three, which was extremely important for Conte, the back three under Lampard had a lot more freedom on the ball. Under Conte, they had to stay back. They had to you know make sure because we played with a low block that they were a line of defense and that was it. 
uh, under Lampard. Christensen got to dribble out of the back. We saw Tamori dribble all the way down to the opponent's box and essentially lead to a goal. Uh, Rudiger had a few chances. They also had a lot more freedom in terms of their passing. I think all three starting center backs went off on those kind of long passes, long diagonals at one point or another in the match. In terms of the wing backs, we also saw something different there. They were pressing extremely high up the pitch uh, when possible. And also their passing schemes were not as robotic as they were under Conte. Under Conte, you knew that Marcus Alonso was either going to pass it to the middle, pass it backwards, or he would force a long ball over the top first time. The, the plays were sort of scripted under Conte in the buildup. And under Lampard, every player had a little bit more freedom to kind of show their personality and try something different. So under Lampard, this was a much more uh, progressive and I would say offensive 3-4-3 than anything we ever saw under the Conte era. So, yeah, I, I was shocked because we were so ingrained in what the 3-4-3 looked like under Conte that, you know, seeing that lineup initially scared me a little bit because I thought we were going to sit back and take the pressure for 90 minutes. So props to Lampard for making some tweaks and, and setting us up so well. Props to you, Andreas, for noticing all this. You're a true student of the game. Wink, wink. Yeah. Oh, uh, there's a <laughs> shameless plug right there, right? Yeah. If you guys want more football, more <laughs> football coverage outside of Chelsea, follow the student of the game podcast wow. available in your favorite platforms. <laughs> you guys think that Andreas told me to do that plug. No, that was all me. I came up with that on the spot. That's how creative I am. <laughs> so let's get into the negatives now. Unless Zach, is there anything you want to follow up on what Andreas just said? Uh, no, but, but I will say this. I think it's the first time we've ever deployed a back three where all three defenders are ball-playing defenders. Yeah. And I think that's the difference between our back three and Conte's back three because, I mean, we were kind of restricted because we had Dave and Cahill, right? And I wouldn't even call Dave like a ball-playing center back when he was playing in that three. Like, yeah, he could do it, but... But I, what I noticed with this one is that we were also placed out a lot wider in possession. So under Conte, we, we sort of had, like, this narrow, like two stoppers sweeper look type back three right where it was like Dave and Cahill were sort of narrow but pushed up a little higher and David Luiz would be the one to sit way back and just kind of like redistribute and recycle possession it was different here so like they seemed to be flatter but just wide and that I actually liked it because I mean we got like athleticism with Rudiger and Tamori and I mean we're able to create chances from it so yeah, yeah, especially with Christensen in the middle. Christensen did kind of scare me at times, though. I'm not even going to lie. I I don't really know what it is with him. I mean, he still doesn't seem like he picked up exactly where he left off, like around that Barcelona time a couple years ago. He's he's definitely improved since then, and, and like his mentality is back, but I just don't think his game has progressed the way that a lot of Chelsea fans have expected. All right. Oh, man, I don't know. I thought he was pretty solid, but one more thing I wanted to add to the width. The width was actually something that I feel like was seen throughout each level of the pitch. I feel like this was the game where we actually took advantage of the, the outside like boundaries the most. And it really did help us open up the, the Wolves 3-5-2. So even under Sarri, even Conte, the, the latest managers, I don't think we've played this wide in a long time. I think, I think Nuno also played into her, our hands too, though. Because he played Adama Traore as a wingback. So like the second I saw Marcus Alonso pressing high, it made the most sense in the world because Adama Traore has like probably the worst first touch in the Premier League. And zero defensive acumen on top of that. 
Exactly. So so what do we do? We go three four three, and we put our most attacking minded, you know, player that can expose that weakness. I, I thought I thought that was kind of smart. I mean, we, we were forced to play Marcus Alonso, but it made sense. And the fact that they had to Donker in the midfield as well just completely negated the fact that they had five midfielders in in possession. Because he had a really hard time on the ball throughout the game as well. So it just kind of seemed like Ruben Neves and Moutinho were doing their thing. And and Dodonker just looked lost in possession. But defensively, he's solid. So let's get into the negatives now. Zach, you want to start us off? Yeah, and it's kind of bothering me. So like like t- I, I, coach a, I coach a youth club team, right? And they're like a bunch of like U10s, right? And uh, one of the parents came up to me today and asked like, why why'd you sub my son out and i kind of had to tell him like nicely that their son's not in shape because he hasn't been coming to practice and i'm not saying that chelsea are out of shape and that we're not fit but it just kind of reminds me of this kid he will go you know we play 30 minute halves he'll go like 50 minutes of just top notch working as hard as he possibly can and then he'll just completely poop out and i still see shades of that it's getting better as the season's going on but it's worrying me, especially because it's happening at this point of the season where our squad is not as deep as it should be. And we're already starting to see some players get injured. You know, Emerson's injured now. Uh, we, we, we hope that Rudy's not injured in the long term. But, you know, when we got Cho and Reese James and all those guys about to come back. So, you know, that's something that's kind of sort of worrying for me. And, and, and I'm just especially concerned that, you know, we got a Champions League game at midweek. And we have Liverpool at the weekend. And if we're going to keep playing this 3-4-3, Ross Barkley cannot play in one of those two midfield spots. Whoa. So it's going to have to be Kovacic and Jorginho for three games in a row. That's if we stick with that system. I just, you know, it's 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 kind of concerning to me right now. I mean, I wouldn't be as concerned if, if N'Golo Conte was healthy. but um, I, And who knows what's going on with his, with his health. This is kind of like a weird thing with him. I mean... I don't know. We, we could get into that a little bit later. But Andres, I mean, in terms of negatives, do you see what I see or what uh, are you seeing as a negative? Uh, before I get into it, I feel like we totally didn't answer Nick Lenartson's question. So I want to say, Nick, we'll <laughs> get on it, I think, in the positives. So don't worry. Stick with us. We'll talk formations in a little bit. But um, Zach, to answer your question, I, I honestly didn't think fatigue was the reason that like I didn't see the fatigue being a, a fitness thing. I think it was more of the fact that we just came off an international break and a lot of these players were not in the UK. So there's a lot of traveling, jet lag. Uh, For example, who was the player I'm thinking of specifically? Oh, Otamendi for for Manchester City. That guy was had the world's worst game. But then you think about it, Otamendi was playing, I think, in the west coast of the U.S. during his international break. Yeah, I think they so, played. I think that, yeah. I, I'm, didn't they come to L.A. some? I think so. I think they yeah. were in L.A. So it's one like of those Peru things yeah. where, you know, these players are expected in seven days to travel and be nine hours or seven, eight hours in a different time zone, then come back as if nothing happens. I mean, yeah. it's. that's taxing on a body and and if you're tired you're not thinking well and if you're not thinking well you're not performing well and and i think that might have to do a little bit more with it uh but if i really had to pick a uh, negative i mean i i don't have any big issues after this game which again extremely surprising based on who we chose to start but uh yeah if i really had to pick something i'd say kept us performance today just today specifically in the second half was just not good enough uh, you know, his 
I feel like his hands were soft on that first shot that then ricocheted off of Tammy and then made Tammy have an own goal. And then the second yeah. shot, all I could think about, it's like, man, just punch that thing away. Like, send that thing 10 yards away. Like, if you're not going to catch it, don't, don't do this little kind of half-ass slap down and then try to get it. It, it just seems sloppy. It's definitely not something that, you know, it's not like Courtois consistently keeping his legs open. Like, I think this is something that can be worked on. It just was disappointing because right now, like, everyone is hating on Kepa because statistics are saying that it's he's the worst Premier League keeper, basically, because, you know, we are leaking goals. But I feel like today, for the first time, I can, in a weird way, confidently say that it was on him that we got scored on twice. So, yeah, I just think he had a bad performance that's the only thing i could say and, and i don't know if it was because you know we were up three nothing dominating the game the game was pretty much sealed when the goals came but yeah i just thought kepa had you know a, a, a match to forget i don't know about that first goal being kepa's fault though i, I okay he could have done a little bit better but there are angles where you look at it and and, and he actually parried it away from pressure and it didn't look like it was going to go to side netting. Like, he, he he saved that. But just the fact that Tammy was there, I think it knocked it in. But the point is, it, it wasn't the most convincing of saves, right? And right. I, I, said, I said it when we bought him at first. I wasn't necessarily concerned with his size because we know he's an athletic guy, right? That, that That's basically what he's built his reputation. He's kind of like De Gea, where he's not the biggest, but he's just like a freak athletically. But my issue with him is he, he's not strong. Right, he's not like a a big formidable keeper in the sense that like he doesn't intimidate you know uh, other teams number nines you know in the same way that a bigger keeper would and I feel like I mean Peter Cech definitely had that because he had balls I mean Courtois not so much but you look at like the qualities of a great goalkeeper and they're just they're strong and they're uh, they're formidable in their box. They command their area, and we just haven't seen that with Kepa yet. I mean, that the defense is really my main concern, and I don't think it's necessarily this game by itself, but just obviously st we still fail to keep a clean sheet this season. Uh, we've given up 11 goals, which is second to last, only to Norwich City's 12 goals allowed, which... Actually, doesn't seem that Norwich bad. Norwich City now. is better than Man City. Yeah, Tom. exactly. Don't, don't hate on like, them. You took the words right out of my mouth, Zach. It really doesn't sound that <laughs> seem that bad. We're in good company. Like, we <laughs> should let in a couple more goals. Um, but I mean, all, sure we will. Yeah, I mean, all jokes aside, like that's it's really it is a cause of for concern, and I'm not the only one who thinks this way. Ron, aka Bone Daddy Cool, aka Bone Daddy Deluxe, <laughs> aka Bone Daddy Awesome. Uh, he agrees with me. He asks, "What do you dudes, <laughs> what do you dudes make of Kepa's play for us uh, so far this year?" While I know not all the goals are his fault, he hasn't been stopping some easy ones being scored. And how suspect and how suspect he looked for a bit when there was when Rudy went out is a bit concerning as well. So Andreas, you already mentioned uh, what you felt about Kepa's play this last game. I mean, both of you guys really addressed that. But let's let's talk specifically the defense. Um, I mean, this was Rudiger's first game back, obviously, so that was great to see him back on the field. But um, again, when he when 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 he wasn't there, again, it was looking like how it's looked so far this season, which is 
pretty shitty, honestly. <laughs> so, Andreas, I mean, what, what do you think? Like, what do you think of our defense so, so far this season? I mean, you kind of said what I was going to dive into. I I thought the defense just, and, and it's not that individually Zuma had a bad game because he didn't. It's just that the moment Rudiger wasn't there is when they started finding spaces and making runs in behind and finding ways of breaking us down. So, you know, all the things we had been talking about, we'd been talking about like, oh, potential future captains and da-da-da-da-da. I mean, there's a 45 minutes of with Rudiger and a 45 minutes without Rudiger against the same team. And the first half ended 3-0 net and the second half ended 2-2 net. So it, it's it's one of those things where, you know, I'm not sure, you know, we don't have like pitch microphones where we can hear everything, but I just felt like the his leadership and vocal way of playing was severely missed in the second half because, again, physicality and all that, Zuma and Rudiger, let's say they're kind of same – same. Let's say, you know, maybe Rudiger is a little bit faster, but Zuma is a little bit stronger. They're comparable is the point I'm trying to make. So to me, it has to be the intangibles. And, and that's the kind of big part that Chelsea misses when Rudiger is not on the field. Again, I know that having a three goal lead may play a part of it, but we're professionals that that should not affect you to that point. Again, credit I, to, to Wolves as well. But I really do think it's the intangibles that we miss the most once he stepped out. I think I think one of the things that we haven't talked about yet, and I really haven't thought about up until you know, Andres, you were talking about you know the Rudiger's impact is, you know, Rudiger has a very good relationship with Dave because last year they both played on the same side, so you know there's clearly some sort of relationship there, and and last season that was you know our strong side defensively because we really struggled on the left throughout the whole season, right, but. There's a relationship there, and that's the point. I mean, those are two veteran guys that have that have been around the block. They're both, you know, fully fledged internationals with high European pedigree and class, and they're playing on the same side as opposed to, you know, Tamori and Alonso on the other side, who did have a good game, but are probably going to be more prone to mistakes as you know, with with Rudiger and Dave playing as as opposed to Rudiger and Dave playing on the same side. But no, I I, I do think there's an aspect of players raise their game when they feel more confident in their teammates. And I mean, if, if you turn around and you see Rudiger's like in your back line, you're feeling pretty confident. And when he's not there, how are you feeling? You know what I mean? And, it's, it, and you got to look at it in terms of all these guys are young as well. So we talk about their mentality and, and how brilliant they've been so far, but I'm sure their confidence gets boosted, you know, tenfold when Rudy was named on the team sheet at the weekend. I mean, look how fired up we were from the beginning. It took a few minutes for us to get going, but once we did, I mean, it was brilliant to watch. And by the way, I just want to say I had more fun watching these first five games of the Premier League season than I did watching Chelsea in the last two years. And we're we're not even as good as we were last year. It's but because you tempered your expectations. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, yeah, that's true. But at the same time, like these, no, but these kids. So here's the thing: it's like the veteran, the veteran guys, the guys that we thought would step up, are either not healthy or they're just like, you know, sleepwalking through the game. 
And the young guys are the ones exceeding our expectations. Like, who would have thought Fikayo Tomori would have started two Premier League games by now yeah. and scored in one of them? I mean, Andreas mentioned it uh, on text the other day, but all 11 of our goals have been scored by our U21 products, which is amazing. Um, yeah. Was... Seven by Tammy, four, three by Mount, and one by Tomori. It's, it's nuts. So the youth coming Seven in. Seven by Tammy. <laughs> Which is the most right now, right? Tied with the Yeah, he's tied Aguero. with Aguero. Nuts. But love yeah, the, you love to the see crazy it. thing, you, you're talking about like enjoying this, and I, I had a totally different start to this game. Like I came in worried. I saw I the three four three. I you know, Alonzo and William are not some of my favorite players in our squad, so that kind of worried me a little <laughs> bit. Statement. <laughs> I, right. And I'm texting Jad, who was a guest on our podcast, and I was just like, Man, I'm you know, these first ten minutes are just kinda not doing it for me. And he's like, Dude, why why are you being so negative? Like Wolves haven't done anything either and then sure enough, like I'm I'm ragging on Alonzo and stuff and, and the next thing I like literally the moment I like was really laying it on them Tomori scores, then Alonzo gets an assist. Like everything that I was like a worried really about. Really nice assist. Yeah. Yeah. Like he hasn't made a, a ball really like nice like clipped ball. Yeah. Like that's the kind of ball that like you know. Yeah, it's at the right purpose. Yeah. Intention. Yeah, it was beautiful. Like every time so, you see him cross the ball, it's just like to get the ball in the middle. It's not you know a cross with purpose. That's what this was. And you sure. know, the, the other, the, I guess like one of the big things with Alonzo is when he's on the field, he immediately makes our team way better looking. So that's always working in our favor <laughs> also. So but they, why is Giroud not playing? Tammy Abraham, <laughs> uh, Tammy is pretty beautiful hey too, so. Nah, but yeah. but the thing I wanted to point out was that, that like usually I'm like the optimistic one and for some reason I just, man, like I, was, I don't know if I woke up on the wrong side of the bed, but. The first I ten minutes were awful, though. Oh my yeah. god! I had to. I, at halftime, I was like, you know what, Jad, you're right. I'm being an asshole. That was a really good half. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let no, me, uh, let, the, was, those first ten ahead. minutes were were off. I think up until Willian skied that, I don't know what the fuck that was. He literally kicked the ball into like you know the second tier of of Molyneux. But it, up until that point, it was terrible, like terrible to watch. But then once we got going. Like you said, it was the funnest soccer I've watched in two years for Chelsea. Yeah, dude, I, I'm loving the the positive vibes we got going on right now. We got one last thing I wanted to talk about in the negatives, and it's not necessarily negative. It's kind of a gray area. I'm not sure. Right before we get into the positives, I just wanted to bring up Pulisic, who, again, didn't get an appearance. Um, Brooklyn MD09, Brooklyn, uh, he said... Uh, should we be worried about Pulisic considered how good this team looked without him? And uh, at High High Plains Moron, that's his name. Is this a first-time question? I've never seen that one. A double like... a double first-time question. Oh, yeah. Brooklyn MD09 is also uh, a new listener. Wow. Welcome I to the program, so, yeah. everyone. So he uh, High Plains Moron piggybacked off uh, Brooklyn MD, and he, uh, he was asking – whether we had to, whether we should worry about what's in store for him, or whether it's a matter of what the personnel call, of what the personnel called for. Uh, Zach, you want to talk a little bit about Pulisic? I do. So uh, he's come under uh, like, and it sucks because people forget that he's 20 years old, but he already has three years of senior football under his belt. But um, people have kind of been slating him for his defensive awareness and ability uh because you know he's he plays on the right side where 
you know, Aspie has just been getting exposed left and right up until this last weekend. Um, so, you know, there is that added pressure combined with, you know, the whole United States soccer fan base is keeping an eye on this kid because he's our prodigal son and he's our golden child. And we have to, you know, we have to put all this pressure on him and expect him to deliver right away. But no, it, this had nothing to do with the way he's been playing. You know, it's simple. Frank said he's going to give every single player in the squad a chance. He's going to try multiple formations, multiple ways of playing football, and uh, and and picking this formation three four three and not including Pulisic in it. Yeah, it might have made sense. I mean, you know, you can't have an attacking front three of uh, a, a nineteen year old, a twenty year old, and a twenty one year old. You know, you gotta have some sort of attacking experience in there, and I think that's that's honestly why I think Willian got the start. You know, Frank just knows what he's going to get from him. And William was actually kind of decent as well. So it, it, I don't think it had anything to do with his form or, or, or him not performing up to expectations or anything like that. I, I think it's more a matter of squad management and Frank just trying out things that are new. Now, it, what is good news for Pulisic is if Frank does decide to stick with a 3-4-3, he can totally play in, in, in any of those front three roles. So it's it's... A, it's it's not a matter of him sucking per se, for lack of a better word, but it's more squad rotation. I'm I'm not concerned whatsoever. I think people are kind of blowing it out of proportion. Andres, I mean, did you really see him being left out of the uh, of the starting eleven as a warning sign per se, or do you see it as as I do? Uh, I think, like you said, initially the decision is definitely maybe squad rotation, but I think also a little bit of man management, Willian is Chelsea's number 10 for some reason. He is a veteran player, and now he's fully Amen. healthy. So, again, I think, you know, you got to play into the personalities a little bit. A game at Wolves, it gives William a, a chance to perform well. So I think that's why he initially started him. My my slight worry is not that Pulisic hasn't performed. It's that the others are. And we mentioned it. Tammy is is going to be our forward for now. Like it has to be some very tactical reason why he doesn't start for some for our next match or something. But in terms of the two wingers right now, Mount's not a natural winger, but he's playing well. He he is dropping worst case scenario a seven out of ten performance right now, and he has output. So Mount is most likely going to continue to start. Then you've got Willian on the other side again. The whole part about being a veteran, he looked pretty good. He had his kind of speed back and, and all that sort of thing. So, And he did have this one run where it kind of gave him the assist to the assist when he dribbled past two of the Wolves players. But my, my thing is that it, Pulisic is not known for his output, and I'm worried that that may eventually be a reason why he doesn't start because – Hudson Adoy is, is ready to go. Apparently, he finally signed his contract, which most of the money, which puts him at like around, I think, 180K a week if he gets everything, is about, is on incentives. So now that he signed the contract, the kid has to prove it, and he's a very direct player. So you add to the equation England's prodigal son with an English manager, it just... You know, you need Pulisic to do a little bit more just to protect himself. Not that he hasn't done well, but it, he's adjusting. So that's my slight concern is that 
Mount's not going anywhere. You have William, who you have to deal with his personality because you just do. I mean, you've seen the social media and then how he just resilience in general, right? And then, yeah, just Cho coming back. I mean, every English fan, every, every Chelsea fan wants to see him out there again. So, yeah, it's just you need Pulis- Pulisic. I think will start against Valencia. By the way, I, I think he will. Yeah, you just yeah. Need him to yeah, do sure. something that's tangible. He has Champions League experience too, so it it, it kind of makes sense. Right. I, I think I think Frank will go with Pulisic and and Pedro, because they both have Champions League experience. And and again, it's and that blend Liverpool of youth and yeah, yeah, exactly. And honestly, you play this team against Liverpool, you, you have to. Yeah, you you got to go with this team against Liverpool. I mean, you just got to kind of ride the wave. But yeah, like I said, I think the initial reason was not anything to worry about, but current form and what's still to come to add to the squad could be an issue. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I just think that's something that's a little further down the line from now. Yeah, yeah. I, again, unfortunately for Christian Pulisic, but to the betterment of Chelsea and Chelsea fans, we are going to mm-hmm. have selection headaches. Yep. This uh, this whole starting off with the negatives, ending with the positives, doesn't really work too well on like a game that we all feel good on. Because the negatives all had like a positive ring to it, you know? But <laughs> let's let's officially transition into the positives. Andreas, start us off. Well, we won convincingly, guys. So that is that has to be the best positive, right? Um, at, a, at a place where nobody and listeners, correct me if I'm wrong, if I'm out of term here, but I think nobody in the top six had gotten a full-on result or at least not a result of this quality and quantity at Molyneux so I think that's a huge positive but for me the biggest positive is that Frank is flexible and and not just for the sake of let me see if I can I think what's the term in in English sorry I'm really bad at sayings I think it's let's throw shit at the wall and see what sticks yes okay (laughs) so uh yeah I I don't think it was a matter of that I think that this was a very uh, measured move to switch to the three-four-three rather than a reactionary one. Frank is going to put his players in a be- in the best position to succeed, and we all know. And I've mentioned this before: Marcus Alonso at left wing, at left wing back, is much better than a Marcus Alonso at left back. So adding a little bit of extra protection for him, fantastic. Putting a three-four-three against a team that uses a back three to kind of cause headaches. Also fantastic. We had been doing the four through three, four two three one to this point. You catch Wolves uh, a little bit kind of on their toes. And then it, also the way the front three were playing, you had Mason Mount kind of coming into midfield, taking up those kind of number 10 areas. And then you had William stretching the field, looking for the balls over the top. These are all tactical changes that we hadn't seen previously that Frank made for this opponent. And I think that's so important that Frank can kind of look in the mirror and say, okay, if we do the thing we've been doing against these other teams, against teams like Wolves, in a bigger picture, teams like City, that could cost us. And the fact that he said, you know, we have the quality to make some changes and get a result is awesome to see. You see managers like Allegri doing that. Uh, You see managers sometimes, uh, I mean, Mourinho did it at Madrid a little bit because he had a fantastic squad, but, you know, it takes Pochettino. a special kind of person. Yeah, po- Poch, perfect. He does it, you know, he gets an injury, he changes everything immediately. 
So the fact that Frank did it in a measured way rather than a reactionary one, I think was awesome. And the fact that, yeah, the 3-4-3, that's a totally different look than the 4-3-3 slash 4-2-3-1. So that was a, the biggest positive for me. And also coming after a week where we kind of questioned whether he was, uh, you know, willing to adjust. Like, you know, when we talked about how he put in Billy Gilmore at a time where, you know, really we he – we were in a position to, to lose the lose the match, and he still did it anyway. So that was the question that we had last episode, and so it's a good sign that he was able to address that immediately, like the following episode. Zach, what about you? Um, I mean, I gotta agree uh, with what you guys are saying, but for me, I think the big positive here is that you know we put on a performance like this and there were so many attacking talents that we are so high on that weren't even on the substitutes bench um so it, just having those options right having in, an insane amount of attacking options is, is the big positive for me so you know we put on a performance like that where we score five goals against a very good team at who's very good at home and who's known as a defensive side um, and you know, we, we, we still got guys like Michi guys like Cho, uh, Loftus cheek, Pedro, and even Pulisic who was on the bench. Um, we haven't seen much of them yet. And that's a huge positive for us because, you know, the first people Frank is giving a chance to are taking him. And that's, that's awesome because now when those second guys, so, so when that second batch of guys get their chance, which probably might happen at the champions, League, I think Michi will probably start. Because I think I think Frank's gonna want to save Tammy's athleticism against Liverpool, but we'll get to that later. But you know, guys like Michi could come in and you know put on a, a a performance because now not only do they have to hit the ground running, but they gotta start scoring goals immediately, and that's just gonna put more pressure on them, which is gonna make the competition higher in training. In training, they're gonna work harder, they're gonna study more, they're gonna you know try and understand what the manager wants of them and execute it to perfection. I mean it's 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 awesome. It's such a great problem for us to have. And it's not only the fact that we have that in the attack. We have it all all across that board. Look at our look at our defense. How many different players played center back for us so far? Was it 5 now? Yeah, Christensen, Rudiger, Zuma, um Tomori, right? Am I missing one? Or we only had 4. But yeah. still, I mean Frank even said at midweek, Reese James can play there. We know Dave can probably play there if he wanted to. You know, we got options at fullback. We got options in center mid. Center mid were probably our deepest position that we have. It's it's incredible to have all these options on the board. And it's funny that it's happening in a year where we actually have a transfer ban. <laughs> because we decided to bring back, like, what, seven or eight low knees out of our 40-something to come, you know, fill in those squad gaps. But for me, that's just – it's absolutely huge. And I can't wait to see what those other guys have to offer because there's still so much that we don't know about yet. Yeah, and I, I mentioned Billy Gilmore, and I forgot to say that he was a, he was the PL2 player of the month for August. They just announced a couple of days ago. So um, yeah. They're, they're calling him like, like the Scottish uh, uh, Luka Modric. <laughs> I've, I've seen those comparisons, and I'm like, all right, guys, relax. I love it. I love the I mean, I'm cool with it if that's what he'll be in, like, 10 oh, yeah. years. Give me that. Come on. 10 years. Give me give me a couple years. Um, but speaking of the youth, we have to talk about Tammy Abraham, the record breaker. Youngest, <laughs> The youngest ever Chelsea player to score a Premier League hat trick at 21 uh -huh. years and 347 days old. Almost at my just fucking under 22. boy my boy so 
Also, the first player aged 21 or younger to score three consecutive Premier League braces. That's from Squawka. Um, he's also the first English player to score a hat-trick for Chelsea since Lampard himself, which is amazing since he was on the sideline for that. Uh, and so we got a couple questions. <laughs> um, this first one is from Bobby Toddy. He asks, is Tammy the best player in the world? People are asking. <laughs> and this next one is from at Dylan Lee Four. Why is Tammy better than Harry Kane? Asking for a friend. So obviously <laughs> the Chelsea hype around Tammy Abraham has probably reached a height that we haven't had for any player since Eden Hazard uh, after his first year. Um, True. So, I mean, this is, I, don't, I really don't think we've been this hyped about like let me let me read this let me before you you want you, you want to say you, want, ugh, you say something Zach let me read his stats four, <laughs> four, I don't know why it was so hard to say four shots including three on target and three goals seven out of ten aerial duels won five touches in the opposition box and three clearances Zach sorry go ahead please <laughs> no I I just can't even like you, you could just go ahead and ask the question I'm just really excited to talk about this I know we've been. Uh, we needed to like I I wanted to talk about it obviously like straight up the front but we needed to save it that's what and she it said. was hard yeah that's what she said yeah. so um, now the first question you want you ask the CT Go Wolves uh, he asks Tammy Abraham is this like Alvaro Morata's hot start at Chelsea or do we think this is legit Zach is this is yes this... <laughs> yes yes Tammy so guys. The fucking number nine curse is just a lie. It's been a lie all along. It's it's never been a curse. It just turns out that everyone else that wore the number nine has just been shit prior to Tammy. So we 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 can all get we could get all that hoodoo out of the way. This kid is totally legit. I mean, we all knew he had the talent. Um, but the the, the thing that's just blowing me away is his mentality. And every week. It's blowing me away more and more. It's, it, it, it's it, the way he's grown in stature is is incredible. So from missing the you know, penalty against Liverpool, missing the now. penalty, the racist abuse. Mm -hmm. I mean, he missed a bunch of good chances early on in the season. It wasn't just the Liverpool match right. where he missed chances. Like there was a couple of matches where you know he probably could have put a ball, maybe not in the back of the net, but got something on frame and just would whiff it. And his mentality to get loaned out. Do it over and over again while on loan. Come back in, take the number nine shirt, say this shit is mine. <laughs> Get your first Premier League start, score a goal, and score. Sam, you brought up. Did you bring up the stat about the doubles? I mean, I was just like super excited while you were yeah, talking. The, yeah, the, really paying attention. First, first for but, three consecutive braces. Yeah. But but you want to talk about hitting the ground running? This kid has done it, and 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 we alluded to like the hype surrounding this kid and how it hasn't been like that since Hazard. I would argue that this hype is even bigger than one with Hazard because with Hazard we actually knew that he was going to be an incredible player. Like when we bought him, uh, all of the expectation was already there to a certain extent. Whereas with Tammy, it was more like, yeah, let's you know, let's he didn't do that well at Swansea, scores a lot of goals in the championship. You know, he could be a Bamford. Let's just throw him in, give him a chance, and see what happens. And look what fucking happens. I mean, okay, as of right now, he has a legit chance of scoring 20-plus this season. 
He already has seven. So anyone that wants, that's going to argue with me, you're a dumbass. <laughs> if you told me that before the season started, I would have laughed my ass off. I mentioned it last week. The kid is just born to score goals. He knows where the back of the net is. Three goals this week. And just like last week, all different types of goals. The first one, kind of scrappy, you know, of being in the right place at the right time, kicking it to the opposite side that, that the keeper's leaning. Clinical. Second goal. Scored with his head. A nice little run off the off the off the shoulder of of uh, I think it was Connor Cody or Vallejo. I think he snuck right in between both of them. By the way, uh, Vallejo was awful this weekend. I mean, we're gonna talk about Otamendi. He was even worse. But um, no, he scored a goal with a header. And then the third goal, guys. Okay, this is the type of thing where like, you know, you talk about players' work ethic, and this goal showed all of his work ethic. This comes straight from the training ground. This is your typical. 1v1 drill with a striker and just repetitions. I could see him doing something like this at Cobham 40, 50, 60 times in a row after after training's finished. Just working on one or two moves very similar to this. Just a quick jink to the inside, beat him to the outside, whip it to the far post, hope it goes in. I mean, it's just, he's so clinical. He is a legitimate number nine, an actual number nine that could do more than just score. You know, he's he's incredibly athletic. Seven out of ten aerial duels he won. He had three clearances. But he's also being efficient at the same time. Five touches in the opposition box, three goals. How do you like that? I, oh, it, my. This is okay. just – I'm all over it, man. Look, I'm not saying he's world-class. I'm not saying he's going to be Hazard. I'm just saying the hype is like that. I think Tammy Abraham still has an, a, a really long way to go. But I think he's definitely done enough for Southgate to go, hmm, Maybe I should give this guy a shot. Oh, he's for sure going to get yeah. called up in the next international break. I think it's in like five weeks or something. He, he'll get the call. I, I don't think there's any doubt to that. I mean, the guy is up there with Sergio Aguero and the Mark Sintman himself, Timu Puki. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's been some good company. Tammy, Tammy's going to get the call up. But, uh, guys, give Zach about five minutes. He's going to go change his pants after oh, that. That's rant. exactly what um, I haven't heard Zach talk I'll, about a player like I'll that in give, a while. <laughs> I'll give my answer to this a little bit more concise. Here's the difference between Tammy Abraham and Alvaro Morata. So Morata did have a hot start at Chelsea, but Morata never had a record of goal scoring ever in a league. His most, his highest tally was something like 13 goals in a season. Tammy scores over 20 goals when he's backed by coaches and teammates. And that's what we're seeing right now. That Swansea season was a disaster for the team. The manager was let go. When you're a lone player, you're the first thing to get scrapped from a team's plans when they switch managers. It happens to college yeah. athletes all the time. That's just the way it is. You're not part of the plan if you're not going to be here next season. Simple as that. So for the guy to come out, deal with some bullcrap racism before he even gets his foot on the ground and then to still do what he's doing right now. Yeah, it is kind of a crazy level of form. And, and, you know, we probably shouldn't get used to a brace every week from Tammy. I know, I think it was Dylan Lee actually asked that how many more braces or sorry, I think it was Parrish Pollard asked how many double or brace games can we expect from Tammy? I hope a lot, but let's be real. Not every striker scores two goals every game, but yeah, seven goals this early. I thought that his total goal tally for the season was going to be something like 12 best case. So this to me is fantastic. Did I ever doubt him? I don't think doubt is the right word. I think it's I saw more of what is coming 
in the future from Tammy than what I honestly expected for the now. So, yeah, good on him, man. That that third goal was a thing of beauty. And for people that think he's not physical enough, Connor Cody is not a small dude. So he yeah. carried him for about 10 yards before he earned himself enough space to then make that really quick move to get him his shot off. So, yeah, I don't, I don't think – for one, I don't think it's a fluke. And also, Tammy Abraham has the fight in him, something that Maratha never did. So this comparison just kind of ticks me off. I don't – don't mention Murata in the same sentence as Tammy Abraham. And I, th- I don't know why everyone's talking about his three goals and no one mentions his fourth goal. I mean, the man just can't stop scoring. <laughs> He's so goal. nice he gave Wolves a goal. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's just in his blood. But, I mean, Zach, that was <laughs> that was probably, like, I-, I think you should save that clip and listen to it, like, once a week just to hype yourself up. Uh, that was amazing. Dude, he is he is by far my favorite Chelsea player. <laughs> Can you guys tell? No, but 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 for real, though, he, he's, he's a legitimate Premier League player, Premier League caliber starting number nine. He's legit, man. It's not it's not it's not a joke. If he, it, OK, I, and, and I want to pose this question to you guys, because I was thinking about this on my way home today. You know, if Tammy does keep this up, let's say he finishes this season somewhere between the 12 to 17 goal mark, right? Would you put him on the same level as like a Jamie Vardy? Of course. What do you talk? I mean, if if he finishes with 17 goals, of course he's up there. Because you got your top tier. At age 21, yeah. I mean, the the thing is, is that Jamie Vardy has a track record at the Premier League at this point of always being around that 20 goal mark. So yeah. Just like people doubted Harry Kane for three seasons, I, I think it's fair for people to be like, wait, let's see him do it again when now people see what he can do. But mm-hmm. I only see him getting better and better. I mean, the, the manager and his teammates have full confidence in him. Like, I, I don't think we're going to see any of those stills of a Chelsea player who should be crossing the ball to the forward but then decides to take a shot with Tammy being in the box. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. So the next next guy I want to talk about Vikayo Tomori, uh, probably with one of the nicest goals we'll score this season. Uh, out of nowhere, really. Um, goal of the month, for sure. Goal of the month, at least. Did he mean to do that, though? Of course. What are you talking about? What? That was... He's, he's just like Tammy Abraham. It's the goal scoring is in his blood. Uh, <laughs> he finished with the 84% pass success rate. He won three out of three aerial duels. He won three out of four tackles. He had three clearances, eight interceptions. Even though he's only played two games, do you guys think he's already undroppable from the back line? Zach, what do you think? When someone's playing like this, the last thing you do as a manager is drop him. You just got to kind of keep playing him until he poops out or plays himself out of form. I mean, the the, the kid's on fire. And the thing with the the thing with uh, Thick, I like to call him, by the way, guys, that's going to be his new nickname on the pod. It's, it's just it's just catchy. Y'all are close like that yeah. is that is that what it is yeah yeah I, I'm, I'm, I'm it's my trademark now so but look it's simple the kid could just flat out play and i think we're all starting to see exactly why he was darby county's player of the year last season everything he does on the pitch is done with this sense of confidence and this undoubted ability right like he just doesn't seem phased by the big moment whatsoever he had his premier league debut two weeks ago played his ass off was probably our best defender on the night and didn't look phased whatsoever. And, and that's very impressive for me. And 
you know, Andres, you alluded to it earlier in the pod, but he even has the ability to beat somebody 1v1, like when he's just improvising. Like he beat – I forgot who it was. He beat someone 1v1, then laid it off to Mason Mount who, you know, passed it into Tammy for the second goal. But it's just very impressive what we're seeing from him. And and, and, I, and one other thing I like about him, and it's that durability. I think he could play more than one position. I don't think he could only play at center back. I think he's athletic enough to play at right back. And Frank is even confident enough to play him on the left side of that back three because he easily could have just played Rudy there. Um, but yeah, no, it's 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 exciting. It's really exciting. And the the crazy thing is, you, you know, you think about this Chelsea team in years past, there was maybe one or two youth players that we'd get hyped about and they'd only play like the cup matches. And now the whole squad is youth and we're all hyped on all of them. And half of them are playing every week. It's just, it's amazing. Man, so, yeah. yeah. Tomori Tomori had a great game. I I don't know about undroppable. I think that going into at this, this point, month, at this point, I, well, he has to be. I, I mean, this month we're playing two matches a week. I think three or four weeks in a row. So he's gonna play at least one match a week. Don't get me wrong. We have we we have the freedom to rotate. I, I fully expect him. I, I think we'll go back to the back four against Valencia midweek, and I think he'll he'll be one of the two center backs. To either rest one of the starters or to make sure that Rudiger gets enough rest before Liverpool since he was taken off for an injury scare. So I think he'll start or play in one of the two games each week. I don't know if he'll play every game in the in those weeks. I While we use the 3-4-3, like I said, I think we'll go back to the 4-3-3 this week. So, yeah, I, I'm impressed. I'm very impressed. I, I thought Tomori was going to be a cup player i expected him to play the fa cup the carabao cup I, I did not expect an immediate impact from him obviously lampard trusted enough in him and again it's showing when he decided to to sell david Luiz to arsenal and it's it's a win-win for us fikaya tomori is gaining us points and david Luiz is losing points for arsenal so yeah i mean the, the kids got he's confident he's very confident and that's one of my favorite things about him is that he just, yeah, he just knows what he wants to do with the ball. He knows how to get the ball back. He's he's athletic. I, he's got a he's got a little bit of everything. I again, I've only seen a handful of his performances prior to the season, but from what I've seen, I, I'm very happy about this. The, the guy that loses in this whole situation is is probably Ethan Ampadu. But oh, what about Zuma? Yeah. Yeah, I meant yeah for for the future, I guess, because yeah. in Leip Leipzig's on fire and Ampadu hasn't been able to find minutes either. So, but anyway, great great on Tomori. The academy has been freaking fantastic. I think I tweeted that the the academy is teaching the veterans how to play for the crest. So, uh, it's it's awesome how how these kids are paying back Lampard and Jody Morris, who have had confidence in them with these fantastic performances. So, Rogan, let's wrap up this uh, recap, and uh, it'll probably be the end of part one, and we'll do the previews of the next of the Valencia and Liverpool game uh, in part two. But before we do, we got a question from at nward n v v a r d, who I found out is an Ohio State fan, so that's awesome. But he's also a Browns fan, which is not awesome. But he asks. Uh, our Chelsea Youth Academy. He is, it's a it's a multiple choice question. Our che our Chelsea Youth Academy is the best in a England, b Europe, 
C, the world, or D, it's pure rubbish and this is a dumb question. He pretty much is asking, name another club that has a youth academy as good as ours or better. Andreas, I'll start off with you. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> way to put me on the spot here. I, I think we got to just relax a little bit. I think we are the best academy in England right now. I think it's showing by the performances. People wrote us off for any sort of Champions League contention this year. And again, all 11 goals have come from youth players. More youth players are supposed to make it into the starting 11 or be important players in this in this team. And this is the kind of Academy's golden generation that did win the UEFA Youth Cup. So, yeah, these guys have had the transition. Uh, for part two of the question, name another club that has a youth academy as good as ours. I mean, historically speaking, there there's plenty, right? We The reason why our youth academy got revamped under Roman is because you see play, clubs like Ajax and Barcelona just feeding their first team with unreal talent. I mean, that Barcelona of the mid-2000s was straight La Masia with Messi, Pedro, Busquets, Xavi, Iniesta, Puyo, like it's tough to compete with that track record. Are we on the right track? For sure. And I think that now we have a coaching staff that actually wants to utilize the academy to its full extent. I think that we failed a lot of our players like Ake, Solanke. There, there's players out there that probably could have had a brighter future if it wasn't for our misuse of them. And the, Bertrand Traore. Bertrand Traore, uh, Van Anholt, Ryan Bertrand. There's there's yeah. plenty of careers that got hindered. But again, I think we're the best academy in Europe today. Uh, I, I would have said that probably before us, maybe Man U and, and maybe a dark shot for Southampton. But but yeah, I mean, it, the the proof is, is, is right in front of us right now. Tammy is, is killing it. Mason Mount got to start for England along superstars like Jadon Sancho. So, yeah, the, the, our academy right now is is looking like the golden child of England. I'm sure Southgate just loves kind of seeing what Chelsea's doing with these boys. Definitely the best in England. Um, what? Who won the, uh, the, uh, the Youth Champions League last year? I think we might have lost to Barcelona either late in the tournament yeah, or in the final. I remember. Because we've won it a few times. Now, it's not a stretch to say that we're the best in Europe. But I personally... Look, okay, to be the best in Europe, you got to have longevity. And we haven't had that because we are still a fairly new club in the sense of... In, in yeah, we, terms we of lost finances. to Barcelona in the we've final. We've only been around... Yeah, and Porto yeah, won. Yeah. No, Porto, Porto, won. Porto beat us in the final. Oh, okay, I, okay, okay. I'm looking at the UEFA yeah, Youth I mean, League. Maybe it's different. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's it, our youth system is absolutely fantastic, and and right now at this point, all the talk is about how great our youth is. So you know, in terms of like, I could I could give two fucks about a ranking, but I mean, if I had to answer the question, yeah, I'd go definitely England. Uh, you could argue Europe, and uh, I, but to be on the same level as like a Barcelona or an Ajax like Andres was talking about, you got to have longevity. You got to have players that have been around that. You got to have players going through that pipeline straight into the first team for decades, you know, to establish that kind of tradition to be known as, you know, the, one of the best youth pipelines in the world, because 
what's you know our, our youth system the way it works is we develop players we loan them out and uh, we sell them for large transfer fees and this is the first time that we're ever actually retaining our youth talent and util- and using them and actually giving them a chance so we got to have that longevity all right i think that wraps it up for part one uh zach you want to lead us well, into part two one more thing. Oh, yeah. Nick Lenartson, we haven't forgotten about you. Oh, we'll yeah, talk yeah, yeah. about your question in part two. Oh, yeah. Poor Nick. He, he, we always get that around to his questions. I hope it's no hard feelings. Uh, <laughs> so, oh, you, is, is this where you want me to, <laughs> yeah. to pick up? Yeah, sign us off, maybe. <laughs> oh, oh, okay, okay. Uh, yeah, guys. I mean, okay. That that brings us to the end of this week. I'm sorry. I'm still thinking about Tammy Abraham. Yeah. Um, so that brings us to the end of this week's part one. Uh, make sure you check out part two where we're going to go ahead and preview the Valencia match. We're also going to talk about the Liverpool match uh, at the weekend. And uh, yeah, until then, keep the blue flag flying high. Oh, and don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Roman's Empire Pod.